Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. Two years ago, Roy Cooper was elected governor of North Carolina as a champion for teachers and public schools. He's just unveiled his proposed state budget to a more balanced General Assembly than the Republican supermajority of his first two years, but one, of course, where the GOP remains firmly in charge. Governor Cooper joins us this week for the full show to talk about his education priorities and what he hopes to accomplish over the next two years. Before we open with our uh, main topic, we open with headlines, our quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. North Carolina's A to F school performance grading system created in 2013 by the General Assembly is getting fresh scrutiny. A House bill would change the weighting of the indicators and another would create separate grades for academic achievement and academic growth. Critics have long maintained the school grading system is not an accurate measure of this job a school is doing. North Carolina is the only state in the country that relies so heavily on end of grade test scores in determining school letter grades. Speaking of end of grade tests, the most recent bill filed in the House to reduce testing would eliminate end of grade tests altogether. House Bill 377, which is backed by a few influential Republicans, including Representative Jeffrey Elmore, would replace the state EOG exams given in grades three through eight with what they're called reading and math check-ins, and it would also eliminate the state end of course exams typically taken by high school students. Elmore says the state testing, testing system has really become a test of endurance for students. Finally, while there seems to be a broad consensus that our public schools need more funding for school construction, the path to get there got a little muddier last week. Another bill has emerged in the House just two weeks after that body appeared fully behind a new statewide school bond. Senate leaders continue to push their own pay-as-you-go plan they say will cost less. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click on Education Matters, and read more about each of these headlines as well as all the other topics we cover each week. As I said at the top, two years ago, our guest was elected the 75th governor of the great state of North Carolina, and he joins us to talk about his first two years and what he hopes to accomplish. Governor Cooper, welcome to Education Matters. Thank you, Keith. Thank you for doing this uh, over the years. We well, appreciate it. Well, we had the last time we had you on was actually at our one of our live That's events right, right after that. you were sworn in, that sort of delayed swearing in. So uh, we're glad to have you on set and for the show, for the full show. Got a lot to talk about. You just unveiled your proposed state budget for the next two years. Um, you ran on education um, uh, for governor. Your budget leads with it. So after two years as the chief executive, you still believe then education really is the key. E education is the most important job of state government. We know that education is going to be the key to the future of our young people, our families, and our economy. We have put forward a strong budget that emphasizes public education, a 9.1% raise for teachers, uh, including master's pay, making sure that teachers get the professional development they need, and also treating uh, the whole child. We know that it's beyond education. That child walks through that door, uh, can come from a bad home situation, and our teachers are charged with the, making sure that they learn. We've got to make sure that there are more school nurses and psychologists and counselors in our schools to help make sure that these kids get the education that they need. And we've got to support our teachers and lift that level of respect for them to where it should be. 
Right. Well, you've got several items in, in your budget that, that, to me, sort of fall under that category. Now, listen, now, education is always the single largest part of the state budget, and, and teacher pay and salaries and benefits, the lion's share of that. So, so what exactly are you calling for? So, what, And what's your goal? Like, where do you want to get to? So what we want to be is, number one, in the southeast in the next few years, and we want to get to at least the national average in the next few years. Uh, that sends a strong message to teachers that we want you in this profession and we want to keep the good ones that we have. I don't, you know, we've made some progress in teacher pay over the last few years, and I think a lot of that has to do with the strong education budgets that we have put before this General Assembly. We've raised the bar, and they have done some raises for teachers, particularly beginning teachers. But the problem has been that it hasn't been enough, number one. Number two, veteran teachers have been left out. And we're putting forth a new salary schedule that provides an average of 9.1% for teacher salaries over the next two years. And we emphasize veteran teachers as well. It's, it's easy to say you're going to give a 5% raise when you concentrate that 5% in the lower salary beginning teachers. Right. But it gets harder to say you're going to give a 5% raise to veteran teachers who are making more money. So we, won't, we don't want to just go for the facade of making sure that we provide for public education. We really want to provide for it. Right. So we're also working to restore master's pay, which rewards teachers for improving themselves. And we, right now, teachers, for example, when they take a personal leave day, they have to pay their own substitute. We providing, we're providing funding that ends that. Yeah, that was something I saw. That that was something that wasn't wasn't on my radar screen. I mean, I talked to a lot of teachers, and and I have my sister's a, a 23 year t teacher, so I have a I have a constant focus group that I can have. So, so she tells me though, I mean, she fits into that category of those veteran teachers that really over the last 10 years, she's a, she was going through that 15 to 23. Really wasn't a lot for a plateau her. for them, and she's also uh, has decided to work on her master's degree now, in spite of um, the fact that there's no benefit for it because she wants to improve. You we know, might be able to get there. There's some bipartisan things that we're hoping that we can get done this time, and that that might. Yeah, be the master's pay. I got to tell you, I feel like we argue back and forth on master's pay around. Well, does it improve test right. scores or not? I spent 20 years in the private sector, and the idea of investing in your employees. And if they wanted to continue their education, it was kind of like a given. And, and it also made them more, you know, uh, productive, loyal, you know, retention, all that stuff. And it seems like for, for some reason we've gotten into this debate that, well, we can't do that for teachers because they're not uh, the same. And it's that deprofessionalization it, thing. It, it is. And I go into a lot of schools. And in every classroom I go into, I ask the kids, how many of you are thinking about being a teacher when you grow up? The kids that raise their hand, I lavish with praise, tell them that we need to get them into the teaching profession. And by the time that they graduate from college and become teachers, it's going to be a lot better for them. And we're going to restore that respect to this profession that it deserves. Unfortunately, there are a lot of hands when they're younger. The hands are fewer as we get yeah. into the high schools. And we know that we have a teacher pipeline problem that we have to fix. Not only are we struggling to find quality teachers and keep quality teachers, we're struggling to find permanent teachers at all. Right. We're thousands short. And so what we have to do is to create up the level of professionalism. I think 
the teaching fellow scholarships need to be significantly broader, right. need to have cover more subjects. And when we have something like that in place that says to these students out here, okay, we think it is so important to have teachers in our schools that we're willing to pay four years of your college if you'll agree to teach at least four years in our public schools. It's a, that, it's a really powerful message, Oh my gosh, and, and the kind of students, I've been on interview panels for teaching fellows, the kind of students you get to apply or top of the class, the very kinds of students you want teaching our kids, and when you do that, you send a signal out there, even for the young people who don't get these scholarships, you've sent a signal that this is an important profession. This is something that your state cares about. It's something that we want you to get into. Right. So all these things that we can do, getting our business community to talk positively about what's happening in our public schools, it's easy to criticize. In our schools, the job is harder than ever. Right. Because young people have to know more than ever to get the kinds of jobs that they have the opportunity to get today. So they need praise, they need support of our communities, they need to show that, that we need to show them that we respect them and care about them. Pay is just one of the ways. Right, well that's, a, that's the thing, we've got a, a, you know, there's been an announced NCA and other teacher groups have said they're going to come back for a second March in May. You were there last year. We took our cameras down there, and what we kept hearing from teachers was it was pay came up, yeah. but it was really about lack of professional treatment and lack of resources. Let me shift gears a little bit with you sure. on this. Um, um, school support, you mentioned about sort of the, the, what students are going through. Uh, you've got a lot around school support and school safety, sort yes. of, and, and which also, I mean, they kind of, they, they work together, but they're also separate issues. Talk to me a little bit about what you're, in, what you're looking for investment in terms of uh, school nurses, school counselors, school psychologists, so and also in, physical safety. In, in one school district that I went into, they did a health assessment and sent information packets home with parents to fill out about their kids and things that they're concerned with. And they said for the first time since they'd been doing this, parents had more concerns about mental health issues than they did about physical health. We know that the funding cutbacks that have occurred over the last few years has caused uh, local school systems, because they're dealing with less money, they're, they're having to cut back on the number of counselors and teacher assistants and school nurses and psychologists and others that help with mental health issues and help those classroom teachers. Those classroom teachers were down in Raleigh talking about that as much as they, yeah, were, they were about teacher pay because we need those people in the system. We also need to make sure that schools have access to resources so that they can make their schools safer with making sure, you know, unfortunately we have issues with school shootings. Right. We have to be ready for that. So there's equipment that they can use that, depending on each individual school, uh, school resource officers can, I know we're, we're talking about whether we use those or not, but I do believe that they play an important role, not only in keeping a school safe, but to be mentors and conduits uh, for our kids, uh, and they need better sure. training. So there's a lot of things that we can do to help support those teachers yeah, and what they're well, you're a dad do. like I am, and that's something when you send your when you send your your daughters off to school. That's I mean, you want them to be prepared for college and career, but you want them to be safe while Absolutely. they're there and be support. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about school infrastructure, and then I want to get into uh, talk about uh, private school vouchers and also the your commission on um, access to sound basic education. So. 
Please stick around. We'll be back with more with Governor Roy Cooper. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Paragon Bank, serving others, enriching lives. Welcome back to Education Matters. We're going to continue our conversation with Governor Roy Cooper. Again, thanks for being here today. Appreciate it. Thank we are, you, um, I want to talk a little bit about school infrastructure, buildings, not just new buildings that, that, that need to be built. I mean, folks hear about declining population and declining enrollment, but the fact is we still have a lot of schools that they're just really are out of code, unsafe, sort of need to be upgraded. DPI's last budget or last scan said we had an $8 billion need over five years. That was before last year's hurricane. Right. Right. Um, so where, what are you proposing and sort of what's your take on the competing um, um, ideas coming out of the House and Senate? We talked about it and mentioned it in the headlines. You know, in general, the deal has been the state supports education and pays the salaries while the counties provide support for the infrastructure in the local schools. We found that so many counties across our state struggle with having the tax base to pay all of the money that they need to have good quality schools for their kids. In 1996, we provided a school construction bond to help the counties out. We're in a position now where we need to help them out again. You mentioned $8 billion in school construction that is needed. 40% of the school buildings the schools now are over 50 years old. I was in Rutherford County the other day. They have a school that's almost 100 years old. Uh, that's great for nostalgia, but it's not <laughs> so great for, for those right. young people who are in those classrooms. So we proposed a $2 billion bond that would help the counties with school infrastructure. There's strong support for this out there. No county would get less than $10 million. The Speaker of the House has proposed a similar bond. It's less, it's 1.5 billion, but still a strong push for bonds. The good things about school construction bonds are number one, the people get to decide, they get to vote on it. Number two, we all know exactly where the money is going and the people get to, to see that. And you can, you know, there's always a debate about how to divide it up and what factors you look at whether a county has made a good attempt, the county's wealth, all of that. Uh, and then we get lower interest rates and get to pay for construction now, which is lower construction cost, and get it done. I think this is the most fiscally responsible way to do it. We keep our AAA bond rating. We keep our debt service service payments at yeah, under three percent. We had Treasurer. It all we, works. Yeah, we had Treasurer Falwell on the uh, few, just a few weeks ago. Now he hasn't taken a, a formal position on either or, but it said we can do it. Yeah. I mean, and he's and he's been on record saying that we, we certainly have Absolutely. the capacity to do that. It seems to you know. So I, it, I'm a little mystified sometimes that there, we we keep sort of kicking this down the road. Given well, the, it's only going to get worse. You know, the the Senate leadership has proposed a pay as you go proposal. What's wrong with that is that when you take money off of the top of the budget, you don't have enough to invest in teacher salaries and technology and textbooks. And what you do is you leave it to the whims of future legislatures as to who gets what 
and nobody's really sure about what the plan going kind forward is. Kind of hard to is. count on a, a building plan when you don't know it, for sure. It, it is, and it's almost like uh, spending your gas money to buy a car. I mean, we need to make our schools run and we need to make those investments. And I think the best way to go is a school bond because then the people would be involved in this. We know what we're doing. I hope that we can work something out uh, it's okay to provide some help to schools out of the budget. We've done that with right. Hurricane Florence, sure. and it, we know some help is needed. They've started a fund over uh, with state lottery funding that's helping to some of the poorer school system, but it takes a long time to get that money. I'd like to get hammers swinging all across right. the state and make sure that the kids have good quality schools right. and to get, go and to. And maybe get some of these mobile classrooms out of, out of use. All right, Absolutely. Let me, um, um, private school vouchers, opportunity scholarship program. Your budget proposal calls for phasing that program out. Um, yeah. Why? Accountability. So our public schools, our charter schools, have to be accountable to the taxpayers about how we invest taxpayer money and to show performance for that investment. Uh, the private school vouchers, money goes out for these private schools with little to no accountability. I would, you would think that uh, a lot of people who would support this would believe in accountability of taxpayer dollars, but there is none. We're struggling to get enough now to pay for our public schools right. and for our teacher salaries. And I think that this is an expense that we should stop in North Carolina. Well, you were attorney general. I mean, this, I would, does it concern you when you see this combination of the lack of accountability with some of the various well, let's call them scandals that have come. I mean, the, the, the number one private school voucher school in, in Fayetteville, Trinity Christian, you know, they've, they've had someone embezzling money. They're getting a million dollars a year putting out some really great basketball players, but we don't know much else about them. And then you said we just had the, um, the scandal that came out about this, more about, about recruiting t uh, students from other schools. So. Well, those are the things you know about. Right. And the problem is that there's really no system to tell you how those dollars are being invested. And so with the struggle that we have now to, to make sure we pay our teachers what they deserve, that we get a good principal in every classroom and a good teacher in every school, you know, we've, we've had debates. I've, I've disagreed with Republican leadership regarding school vouchers, with slapping grades on schools that, right. that cause problems with respect and don't really show the true performance. But one thing we've been able to agree on is that we're going to improve public education if you get a good teacher in every classroom and a good principal in every school. Right. So if we can focus our attention on getting the very best professionals that we can and you know, try to stay out of their business, hold them accountable, but let them teach, let them lead the schools, I think we'll see significant improvement in it. Well, education. that's a good segue into my, I want to ask you about the, the what I call the Leandro Commission, the, yeah. uh, your commission on access to sound basic education. Supreme Court found, it's been more than 20 years, the Supreme North Carolina Supreme Court has said, we're not meeting our obligation under the Constitution. You're the first governor, you've put together this commission, there's, there's the commission's work, there's the consultants. So, so what do you want to see happen? What do you expect to see happen coming out of this, out of your commission and out of this, uh, the consultants that were hired by the courts? One of the great things about our state is that our Constitution is, is ingrained with education. I mean, we talk about the guarantee of a, a sound 
basic sound public education for our young people. We were the first state in this country to open our doors to higher education supported by the, gov yes. the government with the uh, University of North Carolina. So we, we believe in education in this state. The Constitution requires that every child in this state receive a sound basic education, and we know the inequalities that exist across our state, particularly in our poor rural counties, but there are also people in our urban counties who aren't getting the kind of education that they deserve. This commission we have set up is working in conjunction with a consultant that has been appointed by the court. Right. Judge David Lee is overseeing the Leandro case and the implementation of how we go about a sound basic education. I created the Leandro Commission to work with this consultant by the court. It's got all of the parties, the plaintiffs and the defendants. Look forward to involving the State Board of Education in this process. And what we hope we come forward with is a plan that can address the issues. And it probably will go further than just our schools. It, it is going to involve health care and concern about childhood abuse and neglect. If there's if there's a, if there's a strong report, I mean, and what I understand about the sort of the legal process, there could be a, a consent decree that the, the plaintiffs be. and the and the there state could, uh, could agree to it. But then, how is that enforced? I mean, we've been you've been, you've been in this in this um, uh, policy arena for some time. Right. We don't really have in a history of the of the courts forcing the general assembly. Let's say they they say we need to spend more money. Right. They can't make them do that. How does how do you well, see that well, happening? What you know, what you see mostly from these orders is a goal. You need to provide a sound basic education for young people. You need more pre-kindergarten slots. Those kinds of goals. This court could get more specific about what needs to be done so that performance could be required under the court order. We don't know what all of those issues will be yet and of course we need to be careful about what is in a consent order that the state and the state board of education and others would sign right. but we do know that it is important that we get the children the education that they right. deserve and so uh, we need to step up and get that done all right last question this is going to be an easier one i think <laughs> i know you're the governor of the whole state but also know that you don't hide your rooting loyalties when it comes to your Tar Heels. So, is Carolina going to get through this weekend to the Final Four, and can the state possibly survive a UNC-Duke National Championship game? It, you know, if, if we have Phase Four with Duke versus UNC for the National Championship, I, I just don't know. I've heard so many people <laughs> who say they don't want it because they just couldn't stand it. But, you know, it's going to be a great tournament. we got a great state for basketball. In my brackets, I got 15 out of 16. Oh, look at you. Sweet 16. So our we'll governor, see. I picked Carolina to win it all this guy. time. There so we'll go. see. Governor we'll see. Cooper, thanks Thank for you. being Thank here. You, we Keith. appreciate it. I, yes, sir. I appreciate all you do. All right. Too. Thank you. After the break, this week's final word. I want to thank the governor once again for coming on the show. Now, while some of the policy options he proposes differ with the Republican majority, it certainly seems there are plenty of areas of agreement around helping our students feel safe while at school and preparing them for college and career. Last week, you may recall, we had a Wake County School psychologist on the program. One area we discussed, and the governor talked about it too, is that we as a state must do a better job in funding the school support per professionals like psychologists, social workers, guidance counselors, nurses. 
Just like our teacher assistant ranks have been gutted with 7,000 fewer TAs today helping our students and teachers, we've seen similar underfunding in other support personnel, leaving us with appalling numbers like having one school psychologist for every 2,100 students, triple the nationally recommended ratio. These ought to be simple debates, frankly. Do we think our students need access to nurses and psychologists? And if they need them, let's make sure that they have the funding to do it. Thanks again for watching this week, and make sure you tune in next week for a new Education Matters.